Today's episode of the 551 podcast is brought to you by the Bit Northeast Big River Brewfest. Um, the Big River Brewfest is put on by and helps raise money for East Side Neighborhood Services, which is an amazing asset in Northeast Minneapolis, offering uh, after-school programs, services to seniors, family violence intervention, and the Northeast Big River Brewfest is a big party with 40 local brewers like Modest, Tin Whiskers, Indeed. So that event is October 7th from 1 to 4 p.m., uh, I'm going to be there. You should go check it out. Um, check it out on 55.1 on the on the post for this. We will have a kind of link to the event. Hello and welcome. 551 podcast. My name is Wes Verdine, and I am alone in a bunker, a bunker of joy, though, with uh, with one man named Jim Oliver. Hey, man. Hey. You are uh, you are the outgoing president. You've already been deposed. Yeah. Uh, of the dark clouds. You are a longtime uh, Minnesota soccer fan. Um, big metal enthusiast. Yes. Uh, uh, metal, as in the music. Music, although yes, I'm not I'm, a welder or a blacksmith. Okay, um, but you're here to join me. Uh, thanks for doing this. I'm glad to. I love um, your podcast. Well, th- thank you. <laughs> I brought you here just so you could say <laughs> nice things. Um, uh, we are going to talk about dark cloud stuff. We are going to talk about um, the good, the bad, and the weird. Minnesota United um, putting a, a just a, a good spanking, raw bottom spanking on on FC Dallas. Um, and then we've got a lot of Twitter questions. People want to know about your taste in, in metal, um, both mineral and musical. Um, but uh, we'll get to that in a second. I want to briefly start the podcast by um, talking about Dark Cloud stuff. You yeah. have been the president since when? For how long? Um, I think I sort of officially became the president when we incorporated the yeah. Dark Clouds as a GBC. And that was only... Almost three years ago okay. that it got done. So I think I've been involved for five, six, kind of. I've been a fan of Minnesota soccer for seven, eight, and then I kind of got more involved. Um, so in, before you were the general, and then you became the president. Yeah. <laughs> and now and now, uh, Abe Apodi is, uh, is basically the Thomas Jefferson. Is Thomas Jefferson number two? Yes. Yes, yeah. Okay, there we go. So the, yeah, and the, and the okay. order of succession there is like... Okay. It, um, yeah, I'm really excited to have Abe kind of step up. Okay, um, um, let's go in the wayback machine of Dark Clouds and uh, um, where it's come since. Uh, not just when you were in president, but 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 those years. W- what has been kind of the biggest uh, challenge of growing it from uh, 50 weirdos? to 1200 people is it now uh almost 1200 okay i think um the so originally the the dark clouds as it existed before i got really involved was a group of friends mainly that had kind of been around the thunder and then in 2011 when it and and 2011 into 2012 and it looked like we were you you were around for this that it looked like we were going to lose the team and uh, Bruce McGuire, our good friend, um, kind of put the call out that we all need, like, it was, it was for us to like save the team, you know? And so are you referring to the email? W- yeah. Yes. Okay. The email. Well, the, there is a, the, I'll, I'll explain this to, to listeners. There is a, an email that Bruce sent. I still have the email. Um, and one day I'll, I've, I've talked to him, I think if, and we'll publish it in some we form, should. but it was basically a 5am, uh, you know, uh, uh, panic uh of the thing that he wrote maybe it was 3m he basically said uh our club is gonna die media doesn't care politicians don't care no one cares we're the only ones who care we have to save this and etc and then yeah and i and i think at that at that time there was a few of us that thought that we could make the dark clouds sort of more have a bigger impact on people's experience in the, in the stadium and just kind of in the community generally. So we, we figured out ways to sell memberships and how to organize kind of around the tailgate that we had. And, you know, 
and and selling memberships and doing the tailgates and stuff made it easier to like kind of do bigger things in the stadium as far as like TIFO and fireworks displays and pyro that we could do uh, at NSC a couple years ago. Um, and so that stuff kind of um, took off a lot. And then, you know, that's part of the story that uh, Dr. McGuire tells is that he was kind of seeing that stuff, you know, and that maybe that's just a story he tells me, but, um, <laughs> I think he tells everyone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so we, you know, we made it more, um, made it more of an official seeming thing. And, and, you know, then we had kind of a pot of money that we could play with. And I think, um, when we found out the MLS, so, so that it, at first it was just the, the problem to solve was just making it so it wasn't you know, two or three people just trying to pull to like find 600 bucks together to put scarves out and stuff. So there was a sort of more of a self-sustaining thing. Um, and then when we found out MLS was coming, I think we saw the opportunity to make, um, an even more legitimate kind of organization that was, you know, that had a tax ID and was, was organized as a nonprofit sort of, um, and and something that was like a structure that could really sustain kind of in the long term, like be a place for supporters to organize with each other um, and still have that, um, you know, st- still have that kind of pool of resources and, and, and just be something that is, again, it's just, you know, you can do a lot just out of your back pocket and like selling scarves in the, yeah. in the stands is, is fun and it's cool for a lot of reasons, but like, um, you know, if you have that kind of bigger thing, then, then you don't have to take that kind of personal risk on like, you know, $6,000 bus trips to Chicago or Kansas yep. city. And that's what we wanted to do. So, um, so that's what we did on this kind of run up to MLS. And so now that's kind of where we're at. And yeah, so those, those are the challenges, I guess. Yeah. And, and now at this stage, um, you know, there, there's a lot, uh, moving forward in terms of getting ready for the stadium and, and, and such, what are um, what are the kind of uh, challenges or um, as uh, as as my business friends would, would tell me opportunities yeah. <laughs> uh, for um, for the dark clouds uh, going forward that that you're just you like you have the classified documents and uh, in, in you hand over the nuclear football to Abe yeah. and uh, these now. You're screwed, buddy. You gotta, right. you, you gotta, you gotta deal with these opportunities. Well, what's coming up? I mean, I think I, the, so. The way that we organized the, um, the way the dark clouds is organized is kind of a novel thing, is at least as far as I understand it. I'm, I'm, novel for supporters, groups, yeah, for support. Yeah, yeah, it's I didn't invent a new business structure, but the, um, but we're organized as a general benefit corporation where you see a lot of, um, a lot of, uh supporters groups are membership organizations or 501c3s that are these kind of nonprofits that have um really specific ways that they need to take in money and spend it and and they have to be really careful about that stuff and some of it's kind of down to the states that they're in and stuff like that and Minnesota has this thing called a general benefit corporation where you can be you're organized just as an LLC and so you just sort of treat your your group as a as just a regular sort of profit taking company and and the reins are a lot looser on that for like tax and sort of governance pur- purposes um and so but what that lets you do is but the difference between a general benefit corporation and a regular corporation is that a general benefit corporation isn't responsible to its shareholders for making money right and so um you're not just taking advantage of volunteers that do the work of the TIFO and the, and, and merch sales and merch design and merch, all that fulfillment stuff that we do. Like people volunteer in that and they do it out of, you know, their passion for the club and their passion for the sport. And, and just that some of them just need something to do, right. To keep them off the street. Um, (laughs) but so people do that and then you, you know, we do that to make money and then give it away. And so that's, um, the challenge, so that's the opportunity, right? Is that you have this, this kind of blank canvas that you can sort of build a business around in a, mm-hmm. in a weird way. Um, and the, the business is getting sports, doing fun things for sports fans, fun merch, fun events, fun, you know, just social media that people can engage with and stuff like that. And if you do that fun stuff, then that's going to generate money 
and then you can do things like give it to Central High School or buy, you know, we just this last game we bought 20, or we didn't buy it, but we we managed to get 25 tickets for Avenues for Homeless Youth. So there was 25 homeless teenagers in the dark cloud section at the last game, and that's the kind of thing that we can yeah. do with that stuff. So I think going forward, it's coming up with some cool things to do like that. Um, the other big challenge, though, I think, is that um, it's getting buy-in from all those 1,200 people, mm-hmm. right? So when we say 1,200 people are members, there's 1,200 people um, that have either bought a membership or bought a season ticket in the supporters section, and some of those people are really into being dark clouds, and some of those people have kind of their own thing they want to do in the supporters section, and some of those people are organized, and some of them aren't, and um, and it's just finding a balance of like, of of you know like is there a central authority? I don't think anybody wants to be that central authority, but like, can everybody sort of communicate and kind of pull in the same direction? Like that's another big challenge. And we, we've now like made being in a supporters group sound like literally the most. So you should be in a supporters group so that you can love banking and, Right. Uh, systems of uh, bureaucratic I'm, governance. I'm the worst person to talk to about this stuff. <laughs> but, I make it sound super honest. That's why. You, that's why you were the president. <laughs> um, and what's funny is that um, knowing you for for as long as I have, uh, uh, none of this strikes me as. Uh, I mean, I've I've known you in that role as well, but I I just never would have pegged you as the person in the role of of uh, helping organize and and run this. General Benefit Corporation, but, yeah. but I, I, I want the, the part about um, actual supporters groups and, and dark clouds, and then the the people who are affiliated with it, and then the people not affiliated with it. But um, one of the things I found so interesting this past weekend, um, because I was kind of paying attention to this, was I went to the Dubliner um, for the pregame, and usually I've been just going to Surly, where um, you know I'll run into four people who I know in Dubliner because it was a dark clouds gathering spot. You know, you see some people you don't know and I meet them and I always forget them immediately afterwards because it's game day and I'm thinking about the game, etc. But dark clouds is all of these different people who are kind of coming together. And like you said, some are, yeah, I'm a dark cloud. Some are, well, I stand in this section and I like to be with the party. How do, how do we get people, more people bought in? Cause because I still know way too many people, yeah. you know. I, I still, of the people involved, I still know most of their names, and, and I feel like at some point with a group of twelve hundred, or at some point as it grows and grows with twenty eight hundred in that section, I'm gonna not be able to remember everyone's name. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I read a lot about um, kind of social movements and stuff to try to figure out a way the the stuff kind of coheres you know um and i really just don't have a good answer for it (laughs) because it because it it, because part of it is the way that people engage in sports in in this country right that it's kind of they buy the ticket for the show and they're not and it's not necessarily something that their father's father was a fan of Minnesota. It's definitely not the case that their father's father was a fan of Minnesota United and that they like have this like devotion, right? Um, so so some of it is I I think we what we try to do is create a, a merchandise identity that people want to look. You know that's part of it. I think. The work that, especially what Rich Harrison does in the silver lining, like I see a mm-hmm. real community forming around that stuff, like yeah. the volunteerism. And silver lining is is the kind of volunteer group that they go to, um, the Sanae Foundation, uh, mm-hmm. Feed My Starving Children, and these things. Yep. And and that's a monthly, usually. Yeah, there's monthly. a there's a monthly event, and we you know that's one of the huge things that I, you know part. The hard part of being a general benefit corporation is every year you have to come up with a statement of the difference you made in the state of Minnesota. Um, and we we publish that. That's actually on our website, our, our annual benefit statement. Part of it is like, you, you know, we generate something like 1,600, you know, volunteer hours uh, last year and, you know, 400 
people volunteer for these things. And so, so that kind of stuff is great. It is really important as a general benefit corporation, but it's also important in the section in that, like those people stand there and work next to each other, serving burgers at the twin city burger battle. Yeah. And they, they become friends and it right. becomes cool and they see each other at the games and it sort of tightens those bonds. And the tough part is getting people to those things. But you, there was something that, uh, that you, I asked you about at the game because I, I was standing next we to you at the last yeah. game. Is that um, there was someone who now, I, I think her name's Maggie. I think Abe told me her name is Maggie. But um, I'd seen her before at games, like move to a different part of the section and just act as a kind of capo. Yeah. No one told her to do it. Yep. She was just like, I'm going to do this. And she was kind of further up in the section. And I just like, I was like, I know that this person's a dark cloud. I've never met her. You didn't know her name either at that right. point. Yep. And I thought that was great. I, lo- I was just like, no one, I-, I think Abe had talked to her about it and kind of said, oh, if you can do that, this would be, move to this section because I think that would be the most helpful. But it it doesn't happen enough. And I know that people yeah. are shy. I'm I'm a weird person. When I get into situations, I need someone to just like talk, talk to me first. Or So I get that. But it is like tough to, like you need to create this weird community where, people just need to like speak up or more people just need to say, Hey, this person, you should talk to, you know, yeah. I met this guy. He's a graphic designer. He should help design TIFO. Yeah. Things like that. And I think it's, I'm excited. I, I think Abe does better with that kind of, um, engaging people sort of one-to-one than I do. I, and so I'm excited. I think he's going to set a good example for that stuff. We're like, you know, I think, I, I, for what I'm just a senior guy, you know, that I'm just like, I haven't never seen your face before. Like, show me <laughs> your, you know, and it's just, yeah. and I don't mean to be that way, but it's, but I just, I'm not like, oh, new person. It's my responsibility yeah. to get, but it should be. It's, yeah. and, and I need, you know, I, I yep. can make an effort at it and I need to do better at it. I, I'm, I resolve to do better at well, it. Well, and, and just, I'll finish on this. The, the other thing of, of <clears throat> being at the Dubliner, I saw this guy who I recognized. Didn't seem to know anyone there. <clears throat> I kind of made a note of that. I was like, oh, I should go just introduce myself. But then I went to get a beer and had a conversation with the person next to me and totally forgot about it. And then this guy came up in the section and kind of introduced himself because he moved to St. Paul last year, et cetera. And I just, I totally, I was like, I saw you. I didn't, I'm sorry. I didn't yeah. go, I didn't do that. And I'm I'm really bad at doing that, but I was trying to make an effort because I was at a dark clouds thing. Anyway. No, and I think... It, it's a real annoying challenge, but... Well, it's... But... And and if you don't... You know, it's not that people have to have a quota, and it's not that they mm-hmm. have to have, like, a goal or anything like that. But it is... I think you have to remind yourself sometimes that that you're trying to build a, a community of people that are really engaged and want to, like, put work in, and... You can't just do that by being present, you know, like you have to go, you know, it's like door knocking and And, whatever. I'll just say, I mean, Dark Clouds, because it has brought in so many different types of people, um, has introduced me to, uh, you know, people way outside of, you know, I've got the, the University of Minnesota that I was a part of for a long time. I've got my work. I've got people I went to undergrad with. And... And Dark Clouds have introduced me a way to way different, uh, diverse groups of people in all the different senses of diverse, economically or whatever. Um, and that, and so, so actually meeting people is, is something for me just to be like, what is your story? I don't get to do, you don't get many places where you just can meet new people in it if you just make an effort. Yeah. And it's, it's great for that because there's 1,200 people and they're all cheek by jowl you know, 17 times a year. So it's, and, and it's, but, you know, as the years go by, we're going to get to recognize each other even better. So it's, but it is, you know, you got to make an effort. But I, I want to finish this just to say, thank you for <laughs> your three years of service. I know <laughs> thank you. as someone who has um, uh, bled in various ways over stupid things and, and dealt with stupid dramas in email. I know that what you've done has been completely thankless. Thanks, so I'll at least be one of the one of the people. Yeah. There we go to, to cheers you and say thank you. And I know that a lot of people want to express that. Um, let's take a break. <laughs> 
And we're back with the 551 podcast. I am Wes. I'm here with Jim Oliver. And uh, we're going to do the good, the bad, and the weird. Uh, the good is uh, Chris Wright. We talked about this last week on the on the show. Chris Wright, the new CEO of Minnesota United FC. But you wanted to talk about it because you actually met him and you like mm-hmm. uh, had a little... Was it just like a supporters group meet and greet thing? Yeah, kind of. They have... Um... Uh, I'm, I'm part of the, uh, Itasca society, um, advisory board. So, so there's a, you know, there's a group of, I think 12 or 13 people kind of picked from different sections of the stadium, um, that the club uses, it's, it's not a decision making body, but it's, you know, they kind of bring things in and ask for feedback and stuff like that. And, um, they had a little event and, uh, Chris Wright and Callum Malice, or Callum Williams. Callum Williams. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've known two Callums. Who does that happen to? The um, uh, but they they came and talked and and we got to ask some questions and stuff and it was, and it and it just sort of cemented and one of the big things that that I asked is is just to kind of compare, you know, the last few years in Timberwolves sort of history and the, and the success of the links and, the you know, all they've been building in the target center kind of renovation and stuff. And just to talk about that in, in relationship to the future of the club here. And he had, um, what seemed like a real, you know, kind of clear vision of how that stuff informs the future for Minnesota United in terms of like building world-class training facilities and opportunities for like youth development and a women's product too. And, um, I think he's been talking about that a little bit. In the news yeah. Too. So that, that, that the women's part is, is something interesting and he's going to be on this podcast in a couple of weeks. Oh, sweet. I think he's got a, he's still working for the Timberwolves. So I think it's like too hard to get him. Yeah. October 6th. I think but, is when yeah. they kick so, him out of the office. So eventually like basically toward the end of the season, I'm going to just start playing these interviews I'm doing with, people involved with the club but um uh, one of the things i'm going to ask him about is this so let's just what what did he say about the women's game because bill mcguire has every anytime i've just him and me chatting without a microphone yeah he's he's always kind of evaded the the nwsl question well he certainly didn't say like yeah we're looking for that for like 2019 we definitely want to have boots on the ground for that but the um but he's he's the first person I think who's ever confirmed that like yes that's part of the vision, mm-hmm. and I think too it's it, that's got to be a hard a hard thing to figure out for in this market just because we have such a strong women's soccer product in the Gophers that um, that is like a successful path to professional for women players. Right, you know, right. and the, and people show up, you know, yeah, a, people a go, thousand people will show up and watch them. Yeah, and I mean, but and you look at NWSL, um, there's a lot of towns where the NWSL is in that isn't that the products or at least the the experience for people that come to the games yeah. probably isn't as good as what they get with the Gophers. So they'd have to. I mean, the Boston Breakers game I saw at Harvard, uh, and that's the only NWSL game I've seen, um, was. Basically, the go- I mean, it was in at it's college university. Mm-hmm. There's lots of you know. I-, I was heckling a little bit, but <laughs> not really. I didn't know enough people to. Well, and I think, and it's, but it's, you know, it's, and it's got to be a similar. Some of the business challenges, I think, he concedes are kind of the mm-hmm. same. That it's that that those teams aren't necessarily independent in the same way that NBA teams sort of feel, and then, um, but but it's he's definitely the guy to to ask yeah. about that stuff, right. right? The success that the Lynx have had is amazing. And so, yeah. um, weirdly, so I did not include this in the notes, but weirdly, uh, I, I don't know enough NWSL connections to follow this story. So I'll just say it on the podcast rather than try to publish it. But weirdly, there is talk about, cause the, the owner of the FC Kansas city team is in Minnesota. I interviewed him when, when, right. when that story happened. Yeah. It's just like an investment, it's a really weird thing. I, I had no idea why they're investing. Um, but they're not doing well. The team looks to be sold, but there is talk about moving it to Minnesota. Oh, man. Which I don't know what that means, but I've heard it from two different people. And it seems like a really bad timing. Like Minnesota United does not 
want to get involved with that right now. I'm, I'm guessing because before you have your own stadium, I mean, it would just be taking on something that is a big money loser. Yeah. Um, and if you do it, once you have more time in MLS, once your staff is built up and once you have, your, you're not losing, you know, you've got your own stadium. That makes sense, right? 2020 for an NWSL team would make sense. 2018 is a bad idea. Well, I think so. <coughs> yeah. I mean, you'd hate to start. I mean, it, starting too early when you don't have a place to sell tickets and make money off of it when NWSL players are already kind of criminally underpaid. Yeah. Um, you'd kind of hate to see it start before they really had a chance to get players yeah. in and really treat them like professionals. Right. Like and do it right. Yeah, yeah. That's the important thing for me that, yeah. and I think, you know, um, I mean, even, even this franchises that are doing moderately well, in NWSL from, from what I know, like you still want to like, come on guys. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's move to the bad. I just want to know quickly, what is your favorite tire fire? Uh, Orlando, LA galaxy, FC Dallas. That's a man. There's a three different flavors of tire fire. Yeah. Right. Orlando Ugh. might be weirdly, and this is crazy to say, one of the worst run teams in M- MLS. I think so. And I, Galaxy are just uh, they they like signed the Dos Santos brothers, and somehow no one was like, oh, these two who are individually locker room cancers, well, they're going to be perfect. They'll nullify each other. Acid base. We got water. Maybe. I, yeah. It's it's I can I don't think we can blame it on them though. Can they? I can because I hate the Dos Santos. I, I literally. <laughs> Uh, Giovanni Dos Santos is my least favorite player of all. No, Stop. he's top five. I want to punch him in the face. <laughs> Jonathan he Dos Santos. Do you just hate is, him because he can't shoot? Well, because because I was. Uh, it goes back to when he was a Spurs player, and he mm. was absolutely terrible, right. and I hated him. Uh, and then he, you know, destroyed the. He is only good against the U.S. Mm-hmm. in national games. And then his brother, Jonathan Dos Santos, uh, you know, gets, I don't know if they're underage prostitutes or just prostitutes and they're okay. Anyway, but <laughs> FC Dallas then are their own brand of tire fire where it's like, uh, products of their, or, um, you know, victims of their own success where yeah. they have these great players. All of them want to get signed by bigger clubs. Yeah. Dallas says no. And then they're like, well, we're not going to play. That's the thing. I hate to say, I, I don't want to make Dallas my favorite because they just make me sad Yeah, because okay. it is like. We were talking about this on Saturday that that I look at those players and I want all those players, not all of them, but many of those players I would love to have yep. in Minnesota, and they just can't come together. And it's not it, it can it. I don't think it can just be a, a like a coaching management problem. It's the same thing that gets you the like this the Budweiser branded supporters section that throws corked bottles of beer. You know, on the, that was a few years ago now, but like, it's a, you don't remember that? No. There was that, I forget who they were playing, but there was a corner kick, I think, and somebody in the the beer guardian section like winged a, a, somehow he had a bottle of beer that still had the cap on it and he winged it out onto the field Whoa. and hit a guy in the eye. Um, I'll never forget it because I was just watching it on Friday night and I was like, what's happening? How do you even get that? But the, um, but that's the kind of thing that, like, you, when you see that kind of stuff in MLS, it makes you sad for the league, right? That yeah. because it because it says like, is there like, is there a vision from ownership and from, you know, from the on on the business side everywhere? Like, those players are not committed to that organization and yeah. making it a world class thing, even though they have all these world class players and a yeah. very good like. Academy. So then pick Orlando or LA. Orlando. Okay. I think. Is it because their their fans are all dipshits? It's I I know some of their fans and I like a couple of their fans. I I don't want to say that, but it but it's just um the the again it, it goes down to like the vision of the organization. It's like we'll sign Kaka and we'll be fine. Like that's us that I want to see that fail. Um, the weird is just, uh, we got several questions asking us to talk about Marius Rovdi. Marius Rovdi, goalkeeping coach, w- uh, on Sunday night it was announced in a two-sentence uh, uh, press release that he was uh, let go by the club. 
we knew he was gone for two weeks because the Vancouver announcers kind of said something. Uh, they didn't say he was gone, but they said he was not not with the club. I forget. Yeah, oh, didn't I did, travel. I think he didn't travel, and it was like, and then he wasn't in Montreal. It was very obvious. Uh, people want more information on this. It's not going to come. Uh, yeah. I, I, I mean, basically, it was a mutual agreement to part. Um, it's a kind of story I don't want to dig into, um, yeah. mostly because I've stepped away from trying to dig into those stories. <laughs> um, and I just don't, I think that, I don't know if any of us want to look down in that door. Um, no. I, I like Marius. I, I've not had too many interactions with him, but he seemed like a great guy. I have no idea why he was let go, but it was probably, it was, I don't, it was not something, um, a two two sentence press release says to me this guy's a pedophile, right? He, or like he shot no. someone, right? <laughs> no, I, mean, I don't think that <laughs> the team could have just like nicely said, you know, blah blah blah. It was great working with him. We wish him well. You know, something like that. Oh, um, we just you know, two sentences is a, is a weird thing to me. Uh, but it was he's not a pedophile. He did not shoot anyone. I do I can confirm that. Oh good. Or at least you've, you've talked to the Woodbury Police yeah. Department. <laughs> I so, I mean yeah. you hate to see, you know, it it's whatever causes those kind of like professional differences or what you know, who knows what you know, why where those roads diverge, but it I think the thing that's that stings for the fans is that we knew when he came that he was a coach with a reputation that like players that had trained with him spoke well of him. Mm -hmm. And that's not, I feel like you don't hear that about coaches that much. And so to have that level of commitment from players is you're like, Oh, I don't know when we're going to get that again. I mean, you know, every confidence in, in United to find uh, somebody who can get the work done, but um, you know, it's, it's sad when things don't work out. Let's uh, let's take a break, and we'll come back and talk about the happy things of Minnesota United yeah. FC beating Dallas. Back on the Fifty Five One podcast, I'm Wes. I'm here with Jim Oliver. We are going to talk about Minnesota United four. FC Dallas won. Uh, uh, I I miss Facebooked this week the, with the post and said this was our biggest winning uh, uh, win uh, this, in MLS. But we beat I forgot we beat uh, DC, DC United. Oh. Did you say Arsenal? RSL. Oh, RSL. We didn't actually play Arsenal this year, but <laughs> but we would have, and Wenger would have been out. Um, but uh, we beat them for nothing. We beat Dallas for one. This game, yet again, though, we'll start. Let's start a little bit negative. Um, a goal disallowed in the ninth minute, and then we give up a goal in the eleventh minute. So, yet again, coming out slow, and because in both of those goals, they started with an attack down the right uh, on Mark Birch, a cross in, and Jerome Tisson and Colin Martin, I think. For the first for the disallowed goal, and then Jerome Tisson for the the first goal didn't really know there was a guy there. Uh, yeah, I I was just rewatching that game this morning. Um, you're and, on, you're on paternity leave right yeah. now, so you, you get to you get to go back and watch the full. I had I had lunch time, so I could watch the condensed. I was like, oh, I'll eat this food. Yeah, I do. Uh, well, because I remember we were kind of raining shit on Jerry when that goal went in. Mm-hmm. But the more I watch the replay of that goal, the more impressed I am with, um, uh, I'm forgetting who scored it. The, uh, uh, Akindeli. Akindeli. Yeah. The, the way he gets across Tison, like I think he's, he's moving, they're moving in a good direction and he just kind of jumps to one side and it's, it, you know, it, it, it's a mistake for Jerry, but it was still, I don't know. It was an, it was an impressive feat of athleticism to kind of get around. But it's not the first right. time. I mean that 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 goal is like control C, control V. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like that has happened how many times this season? Uh, I've heaped a lot of praise on Jerry because I just kind of like the guy. But 
that's like three or four times I think, may, probably more than that. That he's just that someone has just run in and he hasn't known he's there. Yeah, I. Well, I, is that a communication issue? Is that it's it's something in the way the five of them are working together? I think, and that's I don't I don't know if I if I can diagnose it any more specifically than that because I mean you have that ball traveling past two center backs after right. the left back can't stop it. And so like, well, Mark Birch gets burned, right? And yeah. Mark Birch looked like a guy who was coming off of a two and a half or three month injury. However long it was five yeah. month, 12 month. Um, yeah. <laughs> he looked, he looked slow. Um, but it was not but just it, Mark he's... Birch. It wasn't just Tison. It was these two center backs who weren't there. But that matchup is, that matchup is always going to be bad. Like Mark <laughs> Birch versus, FC Dallas period is is gonna get beat for pace and is gonna there's gonna be some balls come by him and that like it's on those center backs to to win it or for for Bobby to come out for it that one was out too far and it's you know you, you're gonna get stung I think like that it, it's not a bad it, we've seen it a lot and it's a bummer but if I don't know it doesn't kill me con- it, you hate to concede the goal but you can't I don't think you can stop that ball every time like, uh, Minnesota. As with the previous games, decided to wake up after those uh, the early goals, and then by the twenty fourth minute, um, the goal that Christian scores is um, to me kind of this perfect what you want to see from Minnesota goal. Uh, it's on the counter because Francisco Calvo steps up, uh, intercepts the ball, quickly passes off to Molino. Molino runs for twelve, you know, just a. a like three or four steps. And then uh, I think it was outside of the boot. The, the ball amazingly moved to put Christian in on goal, but Mm -hmm. also be able to move behind um, the center back. And I I think maybe actually Christian took a touch. He took a touch. That was a really good touch. Yep. Um, And then is just super composed. And like the ball is, is super low and hard to the far stick. And it's, it's a beautiful finish like for, and, but I mean, I'm thinking about the buildup to that one. That's how you, if you think you have defensive liabilities and in terms of pace on your like left and right backs, maybe then keeping that ball moving down the center moving forward and like hitting on the counter immediately to slow those wings down. Like that's what, you know, we're, I'm sure later we're going to talk about the penalty save and how that took the yeah. hair out of the game. But like seeing that goal scored the way it was scored yeah. is just like, it, that's going to slow those wings down. And it did. And I think yeah. that was the beginnings where they started to fall apart. And, and Calvo, uh, you know, I've said in the last few weeks, Calvo has looked not interested or not as good. Part of that was moving to the left uh, fullback position and at center back. I think there's still things about his game that that I wish were better, but this was great. And I thought he had a very good game. Yeah. His first really good game in a while, I think, since before uh, some the maybe the last international break. Yeah, I think he and Boxall are are working together a lot better. I thought Boxall had a good mm-hmm. game too. That I think we're we expect a little less out of him maybe. <laughs> um, but you know, was, was stepping in for balls and, and was, you know, he, he doesn't, I think his job is simpler or it seemed, or at least he, you know, he stops things where Calvo stops things and then starts them again. Right. Yeah. And so, um, I liked what I was seeing out of both of them and it just seems like they're getting a better kind of rhythm and, and, and relationship to each other. Um, and maybe they're working better with Bobby too, than I think that you, you just want to see it solidify back there. Right. That yeah. like, please nobody get hurt. Please nobody go on and go. At, at the same time. Uh, and, and we're, we're going to, I think be glowing about this game, but I do think part of, part of maybe rethinking the game is also the way in which four, uh, one flattered Minnesota quite a bit. Yeah. That um, game should have been five, three. Because, there were a lot of chances given up that Dallas didn't take. Uh, you know, we'll t- Tesharak and Dali also hit the post later in the game. Mm-hmm. We hit the post, and so we were, you know, you could see we we're both unlucky. But um, Bobby had some good saves, too. But then the penalty happened. Yep. So well, I guess we can talk about Ibarra. <coughs> for, well, we'll go back to the Ibarra goal. But the penalty happens in the second half, and if we get tied up 2-2, this game looks 
very, very different. Yeah. And if you're relying on, because this is now two weeks in a row, Bobby makes a save, and this save was way better than the last week. Yeah. Um, but if you're relying on your goalkeeper to make PK saves, which <laughs> goalkeeper's not going to make that many PK saves in a year. Right. If you're relying on them to get your wins, then you're not, that's not a good strategy. Right? Yeah. And I don't think it is. I mean, I think like, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with conceding a penalty every now and then. Right. And I don't think like when I look at, uh, the game Colin Martin had, um, it doesn't, it doesn't kill me that he conceded that penalty. I think like it, and, and it's just because Bobby saved the one the week before. I think that, I, that, that when he conceded that penalty, I was like, yeah, it was all right. It was, it was risky, but he's getting in there. Like, and part of it is just, you're like proud of the young kid, like, ah, get after it. And <laughs> like watching his game change a little bit too. Like, I think I kind of like that. And I thought, I thought he had an all right game except for the penalty, but the, um, but yeah, watching Bobby step up that I I think I might have screamed this into your ear that like that's my favorite thing to see in a professional soccer game is watching a goalkeeper stop a penalty. Well, uh, I, I mean, you said it took the air out of the game, both with Montreal and and with this game, it was the turning point. And yeah. mm-hmm. it is a is it a, it's a completely deflating thing for the opposition. And mm-hmm. so yeah, absolutely, right? I mean, if Bobby can pull that stuff off, then that that's worth you know, worth two other saves in the game just because of what that moment you know leading up to a penalty kick and then having that saved. Um let's step back and go back to the Ibarra goal though. Mm-hmm. Um uh still living in the magical place because <laughs> in that one uh what what minute is that? Um 60 something, 3rd, 7th? No. No. Nope, I actually didn't write down my notes. It was sixty some. Um, so in, in that <clears throat> that goal, uh, though, it goes Ibsen to Christian, mm-hmm. and Christian does this kind of one touch chip up to Ibarra, who's making this run. Ibarra hits it on the volley. Um, uh, Bruce McGuire tweeted this uh, that his favorite thing in all of soccer is watching Ibarra score, and uh, I mean I can't really disagree with him. No. Uh, I, I love I love watching uh, you know I love all my children equally <laughs> except for that bastard Sam Nicholson. No. Just kidding. Um, but it's, but I mean it, there is something about Ibarra. He's he's not the most like uh, out there with fans. You know he's such a shy guy. And yeah. uh, but but I think the way in which he like you can see him on Twitter. He's an Instagram. He's like pumping himself up. He's just like a a little bit of an open book in some ways that well, what I don't know for my, the reason I love watching him score goals so much is because the, the game that he plays, I think people that don't like the way don't like his game. Don't appreciate how great he is at just like clogging space and just like that. He runs and is everywhere and frustrates people just by being this gray shirt that pops up when you're not expecting a gray shirt to be anywhere. And he, that you and I have talked about this before that like Sam Nicholson, I think when he excites people, you can kind of point at him and say, that's the left winger that like when the ball's at his feet, he's going forward and he's taking people on. And Miguel doesn't necessarily do that because what he's looking to do is sort of maintain possession and then when but then when we lose possession he's really effective at closing lanes and stopping yeah. passes and and just preventing passes from being taken which like isn't a stat but this I'm not a big stats person I like the sniff test right yeah, and, and I you're, love you're a, you're a spirit a human spirit guy <laughs> yeah I'm a pop well, and and in you know in in uh but watching Sam's, sorry so yeah. watching that pay off yes, in a goal yeah. where where he is sort of running around all over and and he's in the right place to be found to to be a threat it was it's his other goal is the exact same thing as the header against Colorado is just he's like stopping a bunch of things and there's a bunch of dudes frozen wondering where that guy is and then he comes out of nowhere and scores that's just like 
that's what I want to see. That's because it's just so satisfying. Yeah. There's still parts about, um, there were two or three times where I was like, just Miguel, just drive forward. Just do, don't be, take a few chances. And I still, all, even, you know, after that Colorado goal, was it Colorado? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, After that goal, I thought, oh, maybe now he'll finally like start to loosen up. And he still never did. Uh, Just, just be, be someone with more confidence. Um, you know there was there was talk after afterwards. Um, uh, Ibarra and Heath both referenced that there was a kind of conversation earlier in the week between them, and I think that um, that's good. You know I, I've criticized Heath this season for quite obviously tearing down a guy who has who needs support. You know yeah. he needs an arm around his shoulder, and some players need that, right? Um, I also think you know. Um, I was surprised Sam Nicholson didn't make an appearance in this game because I do think a guy like Sam can add quite a bit mm-hmm. and he's young and we'll see him, we'll hopefully be able to see him progress. Um, but we do need Miguel. He, Miguel's older. Even though we mm-hmm. think of him as a kid, he's an older guy. Yeah. He it's needs to... Him for so long. <laughs> he, he's making a lot of money. He needs to have games like this where I thought he was a seven. He still did not have... A, a brilliant game to me, but that goal oh, was, was yeah. Amazing, I mean, so. I think the I, I don't know. He's uh, the reason that I like him is because he's not a a stats sort of. Im- he's not going to impress you with stats. He's going to impress you with work rate, which is just like an eyeball thing. Where like Sam, it, but that that's a great. I love that those two guys are on the team competing for the spot. And there's times when you're going to use Sam against maybe a weaker fullback center back pairing that you can just send him between two guys and put the ball through. But when you're, when you're, when you think you're overmatched for pace and you think you're maybe overmatched in people that can, in in having guys that can move the ball from the center out to the wing, then I think Miguel has to come in and he has to have that game where he's good. And that's, that's what wins you those games like that. I think that's awesome. Finley and Dunlady get uh, goals after both of them hit the post. Yeah. Um, Teshuak in Delhi, then because he's the only player who apparently played this game for Dallas, <laughs> um, gets a red card for going in a, just a stupid challenge with Bobby Shuttleworth. Um, uh, Finley, uh, it feels redundant to just to, to talk about how great he is, but, um, I think that he's a, he's a guy who you can kind of forget for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but 15 minutes throughout the game, he's really doing amazing stuff. He's doing a lot of work that you're talking about with Ibarra in a different way, tracking back, but he's gets in great positions. He's good at shooting the ball. Yep. Um, And then then Lottie is, is not Christian at all, (laughs) but he's like great for these late counterattacking goals. He, you know, he could have scored two of them. Yeah. And did very well on both of them. Sure, Almost yeah. got his oh, face God. kicked in on the first one that, yeah. that hit the post. But <laughs> but then he didn't uh, like the the thing that I loved about that where he almost got his face kicked in is he didn't do the rookie thing of like freaking out about almost getting his face taken off. Like he got up and especially as a guy who's like gotten hurt a little bit this year, um, yeah, I was it, I was kind of proud of him because that was that I mean that broke our hearts when when we were <laughs> those oh, of us I don't mean you and I but like yeah that watching that come off the post when we were just sure it was in and it wasn't a bad shot it was no. just ugh, he just had he had to put it put it around Jesse Gonzalez because you know how good that guy is but ugh, man yeah well, but he I, came back scored yeah. um well, any final notes you want to say on the the game uh people you want to praise or or dog uh dog Jesse Gonzalez, man, he didn't have, he had one amazing save. Um, I, he, that, you know, that was maybe arguably kind of a garbage time goal. The, the Denlotti one, not to take anything away from how he dropped. Not sure him, he had like, any chance on that second one. Yeah. I don't just, think I, he did, I, but that's another one of those things where you're just like, this game's over or anything. Yeah. Just come out and follow him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or <laughs> cause why, you know, yeah. the, if if a guy really wants to 
to win like that that I, I think and he can I, do it I mean the way Dallas just completely deflated and fell apart I mean, it makes it was, you sad they they are and you know Matt Doyle had this article last week that was just about how this their collapse is unprecedented yeah. we're now six points behind them um that's a crazy world and looking to do better yeah. I, we have a harder run out to the playoffs I think Especially with all those, we have games. no run out to the playoffs, but we have a harder well, you know run out I mean, to, the but, yeah, to the end of the season. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we get to play LA yet. Um, uh, Alex Schiefdecker, he had like something going on tonight, so he couldn't record. But he has an article coming out tomorrow morning that talks about um, the tactics that um, Minnesota used with uh, this game, where at times Miguel was in the center, mm-hmm. Molina was out left, but they were all really tight and narrow, totally. so that you had the fullbacks pushing up. We've seen that a little bit earlier in the season. I think it really worked, um, obviously. But there were times where Molino and Ibarra were just running in each other's spaces. Yeah. So I do think that um, there needs to be like, uh, uh, you know, Molino, Ibarra, uh, Finley, and Christian all need to go on some sort of like weekend couples retreat. Right. Or something <laughs> like that. Or just more 11v11 games and training that like... Because that's playing more to Miguel's game, I think. Like, when we saw him before he left for Mexico, that was where he was a killer. Mm-hmm. Is that when he was kind of drifting from out left in and back. Yeah. Because um, he can find space in there, and then he can find Christian or it was Pablo Campos sometimes. And like, it takes it takes trust from a Heath, yeah, right? Because yep. previously and in the Molina. season... All the time, Ibarra was out left. Other people had free reign, right? When it was, um, who was out right before Finley? Blank. You know, Molino and Venegas, right? Yeah, Molino yeah. and Venegas were always allowed to move. But Ibarra, whether he was allowed to or just didn't feel like he could, was stuck on the left. Yeah. All three of these guys, and Finley does this too, right? Finley moves mm-hmm. around. He doesn't quite switch sides. But um, check out Alex's article tomorrow. I, I think it's, it. it's really good. I, I, I really like whenever um he writes about tactics so um let's uh take a break oh we've got houston this weekend at houston uh, i think we're gonna lose so uh, it's not th- well houston only have two points in the last five matches so that's a good thing mm-hmm. we are very good against teams who are currently crappy yep. and we're in the west so everybody's crappy so there we go okay. <laughs> except for uh, it's gonna be a tough game <laughs> yeah. it's away yep. uh it's gonna be hot as hell because it's yep. houston uh, anyway, um, let's take a break. We've got lots of Twitter questions, so we'll try to burn through them. Back on the 55.1 podcast, I am Wes. Uh, Jim, where are you on, on Twitter? Uh, I'm New Skull. Okay, there we go. Jim New Skull. Uh, a joke from a Spinal Tap movie. Really? Our new skull, Jim. It's from the second Spinal Tap movie, the concert film. Oh, I've never seen this. You should watch it. It's okay, amazing. all right. <laughs> I do love Spinal Tap. Um, Doug Marshak, we'll start off with him. He says, I, w- the, I was disappointed it took 14 minutes for Venegas to fall down on Saturday after he subbed in. Oh, wait, that's not a question. Doug does not like Venegas. I, think, I feel like that's a, that's a general... A sentiment amongst Minnesota fans these days, but everybody's disappointed in him. But he looked yeah. better on. I mean, maybe he I, looks good when you bring him in and we're three one up. Already, I did but. think the way Molino Molino hit the ground seven or eight times during the match. I, I and I said, looks like Molino's got a case of the Venegases. So, um, <laughs> David Pet uh, says thoughts on adding a girls. Oh, we actually well, David, we already talked about adding a girls academy or maybe an N- NWSL team in the future. Same the same thing with the girls' academy is going to follow suit with NWSL. Only one team, as far as I know, has a girls' academy associated with it, right? We it's, that's or is, is it, it just Casey? It actually might just be U.S. Soccer has done those. I'm I'm talking out of my there's yeah. like vague echoes in my brain. I've talked to the academy guys a couple of times, and it's to my shame that I haven't asked about a girls' academy. I think it's. Not. But all that stuff is it's very different. long way off. I yeah. mean, anything reserves, academy and stuff is they're trying to find ways to make it pay for itself. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Um, uh, Rodrigo uh, Sanchez uh, Chavarria uh, asks Is Denlati going to pass Jack Elliott for number two in Rookie of the Year? 
I love that question. I the I, and it's and it's down to these last couple of games if Denlotti can find his way onto the field and keep scoring. That um, I mean, Jack Elliott coming on and being a reliable starter for a rookie is amazing. Um, Philly needed the help though, so I don't know. I don't know if Elliott sees the same kind of field time even even on Minnesota. I think I think we have better center backs than they do. Um, so I I don't I don't. I just was I assuming was Julian Gressel would get it because he's with Atlanta. He's so he gets to be a part of a lot more. Uh, everyone, everything about Atlanta is sexy except for the city <laughs> itself. Everything about at least it's the people soccer. in it, though. Yeah, but I yeah I I think he's got a shot at it. I think it's between those two really because I think Atlanta he's not anywhere near the best player where Dan Lowdy's kind of got a shout at being a good forward on our team um, but it's into these last couple of games to see where he where he and Christian where it's a real choice because I think when he was on just because Christian was out um, yeah it's the next couple of weeks we're really going to see um, Aaron Tinkleberg uh, asks Tinklenberg sorry <laughs> um, asks uh Sorry, I made you Tinkleberg. Yeah, Sorry. Uh, when we get a real number 10, how do the pieces move? Molina to the bench, Ibarra, who will we drop that will make you sad? I, I tend to think of these things that like you, like you always want someone better. So when so if Ibarra gets, if you sign someone better than Ibarra on the left wing, right? Let's say we started someone who's like, oh, we have to start this guy. Don't feel sad for Ibarra or anything. All of these guys need to be challenged even if you love them we need a, we need another striker who will challenge christian and i have a deep abiding love of christian right? i yeah, want to yeah. watch him score goals yeah. but we you want people there and you want christian to beat that guy out yep so we've well we've never really had anybody that challenged christian no. since he's been here no or, or since he i mean pablo the, pablo the, uh did and 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 did unseat him for a little while in 2016, I think. Yeah. 2015. That's true. But sorry, sorry, Pablo. But the um, but it's just down to who works with that number 10 the best. I mean, a, a number 10 isn't like some of them are right looking and some of them are left looking, and so some of them you might want to have you know somebody other than Kevin on the right and somebody other than Ibarra on the left, or yeah, and it may be having Finley and Molino. Fighting for a, a spot is a pretty great position to be. That's the kind of yeah. depth that you want. Yeah. Whether or not we can afford to have that kind of depth, I don't know. Um, Sam Samuel West asks: uh, Does recent sellout games change your mind on the stadium? Not me. I I mean, twenty thousand sellout in TCF. Um, you know, some of that's the shine of the first season not i yeah not to undersell the achievements of the of the club selling those tickets but the um um i th i feel like that means 20,000 is a sweet spot i mean it should be a hot ticket yeah i mean to me you're thinking about 5 years from from now and you want to keep demand you want a 5,000 person waiting list yeah you want to make this a place that people always want to be yeah. um you'd rather fill 19 uh 19500 then have a thousand seats empty in 23000 yeah that, for sure. to me so I, and it i mean i think when people ask that question sometimes it's like are you afraid the tickets are going to be expensive um yeah if if that's the real question then yeah i'm afraid of that <laughs> but yeah. i'll find a way um and you know the michael v asks if Ibarra is back in heath's good graces what do we do with nicholson i i'm just going to go quickly back to my previous answer yeah. great it's great good. to have nicholson right yep. i mean nicholson did not come in in this last game but in montreal i thought he was a great substitute and if any barra knows every time he gets on the pitch there's a guy who's and leton as well you know there are guys mm -hmm. who are, who want that who can fight for that spot so yep. it's a good position to be in you don't have to feel bad about Ibar or Nicholson. Yeah. Um, I want them to be happy, but I don't care about their feelings. <laughs> a... uh, so Jezza Penguin asks, any chance with expansion teams the next few years that um, Minnesota goes to the East and then uh, Jim gets his double dose of Chicago Fire per year? Yeah. You are a Chicago Fire fan. Yeah. Sure. 
I mean, I, I mean, I have a, I have a lot not of friends. fully renounced them. No, I never will. But the I, um, I have a lot of friends that are uh, old Section Eight heads, and I've just always followed Chicago for years and years. And I, you know, if I have to choose, it's Minnesota. But it's I don't have to choose. <laughs> that's you that's not the way the year. world works. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, but I, but I, to answer the question, I like. Who uh, I don't think it's going to happen unless well, if we get Sacramento, two in the West. Sacramento comes in. We've but got who's LAFC, the other one in the West. LAFC is coming in, and then if Sacramento comes in, uh, but alone, alone, uh, Sacramento will probably come in with an East Coast Cincinnati team, so. or Miami yeah. or something. So like, yeah, I mean, it's hard I would, to see I want us to be able to play Sporting KC. Um, Minnesota or um, Fifty Five One is going to release finally release the um, results of our best of poll. Um, and one of the, one of my favorite, uh, uh, response categories. Um, so we're going to do it this week is, uh, who's your rival team. And weirdly, no one said Chicago fire, which I thought like, I thought there'd be some, uh, there was a lot, you know, sporting KC, I think is who won it, but, um, uh, Dom Dwyer got a good amount of votes. Um, <laughs> shout out to the people who voted Vadim Demidov yeah. as uh, there was a, not a small number of people who voted Vadim Demidov as our rival. So Chicago's uh, but, been out of. It's like I I just wonder about the people that answer that that poll that Chicago's been out of the MLS fan sort of like yeah, they've been so irrelevant for the last few. For, yeah, that, but I mean Chicago typically like. In in sports fandom, Minnesotans don't care about Kansas City, right? And right. other sports, they well, care they more care about, about Chicago either. Really, don't do they? they? Well, at least in football, though, We're, neither of us are Minnesotans. I know neither of us. Are <laughs> I'm a Lions fan of us, for football, but, but I don't I don't know anything about any other sports. <laughs> well, Minnesota, so. I, it, my experience in Minnesota sports fandom is that it's it's there's not super strong rivalries for anything. So, or at least compared to what I've seen elsewhere, but the um. But yeah, I'd like to see more games in Chicago. I know the Chicago folks love were pissed that they couldn't come up here. So yeah. So um, uh, Jack wants to know: uh, Can you get uh, Jim to dish on all the dark clouds he's secretly always hated? I don't think I've ever secretly hated anyone. Yeah, you're pretty good about being pretty honest. I think but... yeah, you and I have had disagreements, yeah. and I've been pretty clear about <laughs> my position. Mike Brandis wants to know which metal tastes the best. Aluminum, obviously, okay. that's why they put beer in it. <laughs> Scott Scott Demerinville um, uh, asks, "Have you listened to Zebulon Pike? What's your opinion?" And then Deaf Heaven is the other question. Um, their band Zebulon Pike is great. Um, their first two albums with their original bass player, I think, had a lot more teeth and were better. Um, they're very proggy and good, though. They they remain great, but they were better in the first two records. Uh, Deaf Heaven never really made an impression on me. I don't know why they got so famous. Uh, what is give us a a, a a a recent or some what met what band uh, recommendation can you give us? Um, I'm, I'm not going to listen to it, but no, actually, I think actually I bet you would like King Woman a okay. lot. Like that um, you're making bets on someone who has. No, I'm just kidding. No, I really, okay. I, right. I, I, I really Woman? think you'd like it. Yeah, it's what. A, what album should I listen to? Um, the most recent one. I can't remember the name of it. Um, they only they just have one record out, and um, it's a uh, fronted by a woman from San Francisco. I think they're in Brooklyn now, um, and she's kind of the front woman, and is she has a lot of other projects, and so it's it's this kind of like new era of sort of woman fronted kind of black metal that's a little bit it's it's melodic it's not what you're thinking of like that like witchy voice stuff it's she really sings and the guitar players really play guitar and have a lot of interesting kind of bummed that you didn't go to any metal metal shows of marius oh there's time isn't there he's He's still around you should should, like message him so final question here is from spencer hoag haug hoag i don't know how hi how Oh. Yeah, he used to be a Thunder fan. I know, so I know, but I just have never met him. I just know him from Twitter. He'll be back. Uh, what metal band represents each of these loons? Ibarra, Tiason, Dunlady, and Shuttleworth. Um, Bobby is the easiest one. Bobby is uh, like Dark Throne, kind of like the real sort of 
anti-human, anti-life black metal. <laughs> like, there's just something about... I've never spoken to him, but there's just something about the way he plays and just the way he sort of interacts with players while he's playing that he just hates all people and wishes they were all gone. Um, Tison, I think, is just Judas Priest. Fair enough. Like, that it, everybody gets it. Everybody thinks it's amazing. Um, just hits all the all the right notes for absolutely everybody. Um, uh, Dan Lottie, I was struggling. I, I read this before I drove over. Um, Dan Lottie, I want to say is like the re- there's something something really promising and new, uh, but needs some of the edges kind of filed off on it a little bit. Um. There's a band from New Orleans called Space Cadaver. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great name. That, yeah, um, and they're it doesn't reference the the way he plays because they're a real kind of like slow doomy, um, but then they also get really kind of crunching heavy. But they're, they're just they're just not there yet. They're just one record in. Um, so that's like kind of typical rookie stuff. The um, Ibarra, I. I, I can't think of a specific band, but I want I I know these things exist that there's like these kind of goth metal bands um in Mexico City that are that it's that it's you know that that music is only available on cassette tape, but it's but there's a lot of groove in it and and that and it and it's that kind of goth groove of the kind of synthesizers and the super tight rhythm section. But then there's also a guy in leather gloves drinking a glass of red wine while he like croons over things that I think I need to hear that. I it's, I know that music is out there and it's, and, and that's, I've always, the way I describe Miguel Ibarra to everybody is I don't think people appreciate his game because it's a hard game to appreciate. Because <laughs> like, he's on cassette tape. Well, he's yeah, it's, he's hard to get at, and yeah. and even and some people might be kind of put off by the by the goth part of it. And this is uh, this is informed as much by my experience as anything. But like, but but when you when you let yourself love it, man, that that game can be amazing. Um, <laughs> I'll find. I'll put it on Twitter. I'll send it to Spencer when I find the perfect one. But. I I, uh, I can't think of a better way to finish this uh, episode <laughs> off. Well, um, uh, thanks, Jim, uh, for coming on the show. Uh, it's great to have you here. We will have you back and, uh, and talk more soccer. Um, I'm Wes. This is Jim. It's 551 Podcast. Bye. Big one.